the two passages out of John 8 are first verses 31 to 41, and then we'll skip down and do 52 to 59. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are descendants of Abraham, yet you look for an opportunity to kill me because there is no place in you for my word. I declare what I have seen in the Father's presence. As for you, you should do what you have heard from the Father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. But now you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that he heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are indeed doing what your father does. They said to him, we are not illegitimate children. We have one father, God himself. Then starting in verse 52, the Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died and so did the prophets. And yet you say, Whoever keeps my words will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? The prophets also died. Who do you claim to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me. He of whom you say he is our God, though you do not know him. But I know him. If I would say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your ancestor Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Paula. So a priest, a minister, and a rabbit walk into a blood bank, and the rabbit says, I'm a typo. Wait for it. I know. Okay, some of you, okay, just give it a little time. Okay, maybe more time. <laughs> I say that because part of what this dialogue is all about has to do with bloodline and 
they see themselves in the right bloodline and they're, they're, have, they're struggling with who Jesus is. I also say it because the points of reference that we have, which is part of that joke, if you're not used to jokes about priests, ministers, and rabbis, then it's hard to understand why that's funny. Um, but if you have a point of reference, you immediately understand what's going on. So there's a couple points of reference here that we don't get. So let me see if I can't help us to look at three of Jesus' statements which offended his hearers and caused them to fall out of step with him. The first is Jesus saying, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, we think that is a wonderful statement. The truth will make you free. But that was incredibly offensive to them. With a sense of national pride, they answer, We are Abraham's seed and have never been slavery to anyone. And you want to go, shall we review your history? Uh, it seems that your whole identity came out of Egypt where you were enslaved to the Egyptians. And then... Later, you were sent into exile and were in slavery in, um, in Babylon. And even when you've been in your own land, you have been under the oppression of the Persians and the Greeks and now the Romans. How could you even say we've never been enslaved to anyone? But all of that misses the point altogether, which is not about foreign rule at all. It's not about someone else. Uh, having, having control of, of your freedom. Jesus is speaking of a spiritual human condition that affects each and every one of us. That of being enslaved to sin and death. And that's the life he offers which, from which you can be set free. More than just a matter of slavery and freedom then, he's saying this is a matter of life and death which is why we call it good news. Second statement that they were offended at is when Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. While Jesus acknowledged they're of Abraham's seed and they're his descendants, he says they do nothing to re that, that they could be regarded as Abraham's children because that implies something else altogether to be a son or a daughter of Abraham. That means their character and their behavior would resemble that of Abraham, would show signs of faithfulness and allegiance to God. And if so, Jesus says, Abraham is not your true father, and therefore you cannot claim to have God as your father. If God was truly your father, then you would love God's messenger and welcome him into your world. But you do not love me, whom God has sent, nor speak what is true. Rather, you seek to kill me, which reveals who you're truly related to, the father of murder and of lies. Instead of the father who gives life and, and promotes the flourishing of life, you are following one who, who destroys life. Then finally, Jesus said, whoever keeps my word will never see death. 
and they respond, now we know you have a demon. Because Abraham died, the prophets died. Who are you to say that the one who keeps my word will not taste death? Are you greater than our father Abraham? And in effect, Jesus says, as a matter of fact, I am. His actual words were, before Abraham was, I am. And at that they hear, they become incensed because that sounds like a claim to be equal with God. When in fact, what Jesus was saying is he has come to reveal God, that God is at work in and through him, carrying out the very purpose God made and promise God made to Abraham, that through him and his seed, the whole world would be blessed. God would seek a plan and carry out a plan to save the entire world. They had lost sight of that altogether. The result is they're so infuriated that not only had they made a plan to kill Jesus, they, they picked up stones then and there. But Jesus escaped from their midst. Their misunderstanding arises from a failure to grasp what Jesus means by eternal life. Just as they failed to grasp what he meant by the one who has sent me. And that he's related to the father or what it meant when he said the truth shall set you free. Celebrated Nigerian author uh, Chimam, uh, oh boy, Chimamanda Adichie. I'm going to look at my wife and she's going to go, not quite right, but okay. She said it just, just sounded out the way it's printed. Um, anyway, she gave a talk in 2009, a TED Talk, in which she titled it, The Danger of the Single Story. The Danger of the Single Story. She expressed her concern for underrepresentation of various cultures and literature and illustrated it with her own experience. As a young child, she had read American and British books. And as early as age seven, she started to write some of her own stories. And in her stories, there were characters who were white, blue-eyed, ate apples, played in the snow. Now remember, she's in sub-Sahara Africa. Played in the snow and would say things like, how lovely that the sun, sun has come out. Okay, in sub-Sahara Africa, it comes out every day. It's scorching um, here's how she says it. Now, I loved those American and British books. They stirred my imagination and op opened up new worlds for me. But the unintended consequence was that I did not know that people like me could exist in literature. Such single stories give a dangerous, false impression of what is real and what is true if people with cultural differences than ourselves are misrepresented or underrepresented. We may confine such people to negative stereotypes or dismiss them altogether. In an anecdote, Adichie described her family was middle class economically and therefore they employed some rural people who worked for their family such as a houseboy named Fide. And the only thing her mom had ever said of him was that his family was poor. And Adiche noticed that her mom would send food home with Fide and, and often discarded clothing 
for his family. However, when the Adichie family visited Fide's village, Fide's mother showed them a basket that his brother had made, making her Adichie realize that she had created an opinion about Fide based only on one story of him. In her words, it had not occurred to me that anybody in his family could actually make something. All I had heard about them was how poor they were, so that it had become impossible for me to see them as anything other than poor. Their poverty was my single story of them. You're getting to feel what that feels like? When I, she says, when I came to the U.S. at age 19 to attend university, my American roommate was surprised at how fluent my English was, not knowing that, the, that English is the national language of Nigeria, and that she knew how to use a stove. And when asked to hear her tribal music, Adichie presented a cassette of Mariah Carey. And then she adds this, my roommate had a single story of Africa, a single story of catastrophe in which there was no possibility of Africans being similar to her in any way, no possibility of feelings more complex than pity, no possibility of a connection as human equals. Wow. Do you hear what happens when we interpret people who are different than us, and as a single story, we get it wrong. We miss everything about who they are and what their experience is and what we learn in relationship to them, and they don't have to be from another continent. They could be our neighbors. They could be our friends, but we drill down on this single story of someone and think that's who they are. And we marginalize them in a way that, that has all kinds of consequences. The Jews who heard Jesus speak had a single story of what that meant, of what he spoke about. Jesus did not fit their story of God's Messiah after all, the Messiah wasn't going to come from Galilee, and Jesus was from Galilee. The Messiah wasn't going to be born of human parents. But Jesus says he was from above. How could that be? He was from God. They could not believe God might tell the story differently than the one that they had expected to unfold. Jesus had performed a healing of a paralytic on a Sabbath, and rather than celebrate God working through Jesus as a miraculous sign of God's presence, they considered it a breaking of the Sabbath law, and therefore Jesus could not be aligned with God. Their single story did not allow them to be open to how God might do it differently than what they expected. Instead, they didn't question their single story as bias. They decided Jesus was misleading and therefore dangerous. And to stop him, they looked for an opportunity to kill him. Now, when your own actions, when your own inclinations are moving in a direction that is clearly wrong, 
that ought to be a sign that we need to rethink the situation. We need to repent and ask for God's mercy. They wanted to put to death the one whom God sent to bring life. And they accused the one whom John portrays as the truth to speak nothing but falsehood. A form of sin they most need to be set free from is their own false sense of who they are and who they are not. And God forbid that we have to do the same. Well, God help us that we have to do the same. That we have to be reminded that even the way in which we hear God's word and interpret scripture, we have blinders on that we think is the right way rather than ask the Spirit of God to teach us and open us to how God might be instructing us. Every time you read through John's Gospel, you could stop anywhere along the way and go back and reread the prologue and see if you don't hear the themes resonating. Listen to verse 10 and 12 of chapter 1. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people would not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. That's what the Jews claimed. They were the children of God, and yet Jesus gives power to those who put faith in him. To be children of God, born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but born of God, born from above, born anew, born with the possibility of receiving God's mercy and living, living in grace, living out God's grace for others. This meal we're about to share reminds us of the story of how God brought about the salvation of the world and of you and of me. This is the Lord's table and our Savior invites us to come and feast here as these elements have been prepared for us and as Jesus serves as our host. For this sacrament, we celebrate that Christ is crucified, Christ is risen, and Christ is present now in power to minister to us. So all who humbly put their trust in Jesus and desire his help to lead a God-fearing life, a holy, awe-filled life, who are truly sorry for their sins and the, and the grip that sin has on us to be set free from its burden, are invited and encouraged to come and celebrate this sacrament, which is given in his name. Let us prepare our hearts as we sing together, Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy.